The Start On Demand. On demand. Your COVID-19 questions answered. We'll speak to Global's Jeff Semple, who has been taking questions from thousands of Canadians and sifting through them, and he will give you some answers to some of the biggest questions pertaining to this virus. Imagine your lifelong dream is to open a restaurant, and then two months later, COVID-19. That's what's happened to one of our colleagues, Joe Aiello from Power Mornings on Power 97. He will give us his insight as to what's happening there. And with kids stuck at home, there's going to come a time where they need to use their imagination to have fun. Remember that? Using your imagination? We'll give some examples from our childhood where we used our imagination to have fun. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, March 19th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, but Mackling is at home, McNabb is at home, even Jeff Braun working from home. But Jeff Forte is in master control. At least I get to look at one face. Hi, guys. How's it going? <laughs> Good morning, Brett. Uh, and let's remind people there's a uh, bulletproof glass between you and Jeff Forte as well. So <laughs> I did. Brett. Actually, I, I might. That's a good thing that glass is there because I've already smashed my desk once this morning. My computer was freezing like oh. two minutes before six o'clock when I was trying to do three things at once. And I just went smash. So anyway. I, I think this is your best case scenario, Brett. I feel like this is your wheelhouse. <laughs> just isolation. Like, I, just isolation. I mean, you're a great talker. You're a great friend. You're good to people. But, you know, you like your distance. <laughs> and I'm angry. I'm always angry. Nah, you're not always angry. You just always look angry. <laughs> I know. I know. It's the worst. It's the just worst. Kidding. I have. That's something I've dealt with my whole life. People always, my friends, uh, girlfriends have always thought I'm mad at them. Like, I'm not mad just because I'm not smiling. But anyway, uh, so for you tuning in right now, as we mentioned, Greg is at home. Loren is at home. So there might be times where it's clumsy, where we're tripping over each other. But hey, this is uh, the world we live in right now where we're having to keep our distance from each other. And this, and since we have the technology, this is what we're doing. Yeah, we're yeah. doing it for one another. We're doing it for ourselves. But mostly we're doing it... Uh, I don't want to sound pompous here, but we're doing it for you because um, let's face it, sometimes the worst place to be is alone with your own thoughts. And if we can share a little levity, some information... Uh, about what's going on around the world, inside the province, inside the city. Hopefully this will uh, help you get through this, right, Loren? Oh, I think that's just, you're bang on. You know, we were talking yesterday about the idea of um, knowing so many people already who feel a little bit alone out there and how radio can play a big part of their lives. And now you're just looking for that constant update and information and it's changing so quickly. So the last thing we want to do is not be here for everyone. I'm just uh, not dressed as I normally would be. That's the only difference. And Greg's the same. Greg gets dressed up for these home shifts now, I hear. Yeah, Greg, you're wearing uh, CJOB gear, presumably. I am indeed, and I've got my running shoes on. i got jeans on. And, no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remain as... Um, as normal in my routine as I can, a sense of normalcy in these uncertain times, I think is uh, really good for us. Well, normal for me is wearing now what I went to bed in. 
So, <laughs> just so we're all you, clear. Loretta. Just so we're all clear where I'm at with this. Okay. Uh, well, and hey, you you talk about uh, uncertain times. I just, I'll just quickly mention this. Yesterday, after we were done with our show, well, I guess I had to wait until eleven o'clock because Polo Park doesn't open until eleven now. Uh, although it, it said the door, the mall unlocks at nine thirty, so maybe I could have gone over there at ten o'clock. But I just needed cash. The, tea, the the cash machines are on the south end of Polo Park, like right down at the end by Sport Check. So as I was walking from the north side, I could not believe how many stores were closed. When I got when I made my return trip, I said, uh, "I'm going to count how many stores are closed." I tried to keep count. I think I lost count uh, when I got to around 50, at least 50 stores closed just on that main drag on the first floor of Polo Park. It's it's surreal, man. It's it's like a it's it's like a nightmare kind of. A scene from a movie, really. And the way we're the, it's a, a good example of I guess we're doing things right in some respects. Some of the stores have closed. Less people going around shopping. Greg, you were mentioning how great you thought an initiative from Food Fair was that they they talked about uh, on with Jeff Courier yesterday, just about what the lengths they're willing to go if people don't want to be around other people. And that's the goal right now. They're offering a pretty unique service. Yeah, humane human nature is one to, to overcome, and entrepreneurship takes that to another level. And the Zed family, uh, what, what can we say about what they do in our community? They're talking about letting people shop privately on their own, giving them 20 minutes or half an hour in the, sto- in the store all by themselves. And, uh, hey, hats off to them for, for thinking outside the box. And that'll make people feel more comfortable. It'll allow for people to make sure that they uh, don't run short on the necessities of life. And that's just, that's extraordinary community in my mind. And we'll throw that story up on our 680 CJOB Instagram so you can uh, read more on it. Food Fair, of course, recently started opening its doors an hour early exclusively for seniors. And Zed says the program has been quite popular in the short time it's been active. So that's great on Munther's part, Loren. Oh, it's it's awesome. And, and, you know, I think we all have to start thinking about how we're going to do a lot of things differently. We're going to play in our next segment some clips from Dr. Brent Rusin just about, you know, we've been using that term social isolation a lot or social distancing. What does that mean, self-isolation? What does that look like? Should my kids be playing with other kids? Do they stay in the house? Do they go outside? And at 645 on that vein, it had me thinking, what other ways am I going to have to step up to keep these kids entertained and we're going to talk about the things we did with our imagination lo and behold at 645 and greg just before we press pause here uh you had do you have 60 do you think you can say it in like 60 seconds as you had quite an experience yesterday yeah uh just a shout out to the staff at children's hospital uh one of the boys uh actually fainted yesterday i was down here doing some work and he was right above me and i heard this giant thud jackie was screaming and i ran upstairs and and uh brendan had uh passed out and we ran him to children's hospital we were in and out of there in about three and a half hours and the doctors were just extraordinary the nurses were second to none and i just wanted to give a shout out to them we're on concussion protocol over here it's turns out he's too healthy he's got low blood pressure and he's got a low resting heart rate so he's got to be careful about how quickly he gets up (laughs) from the couch (laughs) 
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Mackling and McNabb are at home. Jeff Braun is at home. Kelly Moore is in studio with me. Jeff Forte is in master control as we continue to distance ourselves in this COVID-19 crisis. But right now... Loren, the segment is called Having Coffee Talking, but I guess today we're having imaginary coffee? Yeah, well, I'm having real coffee, but I get where you're trying to go with this. I don't want to ruin your joke. We, I had mentioned to you guys, you know, we've got... (laughs) we've got kids at home right now and uh, so do many other parents and you're trying to figure out a how to teach them all these things that they would be doing in school and we'll get more into that later in the show but then of course you know everyone's looking for entertainment and kids are really great at using their imaginations but I know they're going to need some is it gentle prodding you know to encourage them to not be bored and I wanted to know if our listeners and you guys could give me some ideas of the things you used to do when you're kids, the fun games you used to play that had nothing to do with board games or computers or video games, just your imagination. All right, who wants to start? I, Kelly Moore. Uh, you know what? I, I was uh, thinking, uh, boy, it's been a long time since I was a kid, and then all of a sudden uh, this uh, popped up into my memory. And uh, I, w- I do want to start by saying I want to make light of what we're going through here, uh, but... We're just about out of coffee at the radio station. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, but but anyway, I used to play this game where I would take two decks of cards, and I would shuffle them up and take all the face cards out of there, and then I would make up an NHL schedule, and I would flip the cards, and those would be the scores of the games, so that after a week of games, I'd update the standings. Like, this took hours and hours of my time, and at that time, there were no computers or anything. All of it was handwritten. And it was just, uh, and, and I would always practice, uh, you know, last night the New York Rangers defeated the New York Islanders 9-2. to two, Really? Blah, blah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I, I that, uh, that occupied my time for hours and hours. Wow, that's neat. So you just had your own little NHL season. Yeah, I, yeah. And what I did was I just kept all the cards, aces through tens. And then just and then did up. I, I was like an NHL master scheduler, so that every team would play each other at least once. Do you have any of those schedules still kicking around? I probably not. <laughs> hey, uh, do we that have? That is awesome. Do we have Jeff Braun with us? Yeah, I'm gonna have nightmares about Kelly's story. <laughs> <laughs> the next time uh, that Doctor Abdul Rahman is on. Please have him consult with Kelly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> about- but I, I do appreciate the imagination involved because I, I don't know if I was my friends and I would uh, get together with neighbor kids down the street and we'd have our action figures or Transformers or He-Man or GI Joes or whatever and we play with those. But it never was as much fun as it looked in the commercials. The commercials always had I don't know sand dunes and stuff. We could just never replicate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, that was the thing with action figures. You play with them, you set up the, the, the props or whatever, and you, you set them up, and then you go, okay, now what? Like, I transformed them. Yeah, exactly. Them. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Transform them back. It only takes five minutes. What about you, Mackling? <laughs> well, my brother and I and my dad and my grandpa uh, quite often would play, quite honestly, radio station. Once upon a time, my brother Kevin and I, Saturday mornings, we would uh, line up the records, sort of like our playlist. We would have the weather station on. Remember uh, channel, uh, I guess it's 48 with cable. Uh, I think it might have been channel 10 or something back in the day. And 
we would read the weather from across the country and do some sports scores out of the newspaper and play uh, a variety of music, Kiss to the Bee Gees and uh, everything in between. <laughs> and uh, that was our that was our little game. And we would even pretend to do play by play from time to time, Kelly Moore. <laughs> and uh, that was that was the way my brother Kevin and I uh, passed a lot of time over the years. Oh, can I just weigh in here because we actually used to put on a newscast when we were kids, like a fake TV newscast and we called it cjob but it stood for canadian junior open broadcasting for the Come kids on. i swear to you I, there has to be a video somewhere we even did commercials and like charity pieces and things like that that we would try to shoot with our old video camera so yeah i totally get doing the tv radio thing and then another one that we used to do which i cannot see what was fun about this was we'd play church and we would cut up a bunch of pieces of bread and just hand them out to each other and i <laughs> like communion i I don't really, I'm not really sure what the fun was in that. But my, someone got to be the priest, and then you would line up and get your, like, morsel of bread. <laughs> and Kool-Aid to imitate the wine, I suppose? I don't even think we did the wine. I'm just, I can picture my sister standing by the window right now, and you'd solemnly come forward and hold out your hand, and then you'd walk back oh to the couch my. and sit there. That's a sad game. No no offense, That's too. I mean, I, I like that game. <laughs> Thank you. I was that, waiting for that. Jeff. That kind of reminds me of uh, me and my buddy. We used to, I think we called it, uh, I don't know, like potions or science experiments or something like that, where we just take like vinegar and hot sauce and a bunch of other crap, put them in, <laughs> and drink it, drink it back. Yeah, it was not good. It was not good at all. Uh, uh, that stomach ache game. That's what that's called. <laughs> <laughs> take me to the hospital game. I remember playing uh, with my buddy Warren and his brother Wes. We were, I think, seven years old, and we were in my house, my parents' house, and the basement was this kind of off... It wasn't off-limits. It was just a, an area that I never visited when I was a little kid, so it was kind of this foreign, dark, scary place. So we were pretending that the basement was inhabited by zombies and if we so much as touched the floor we would be infected by these zombies and we were playing on the stairs for some reason the edge of the the basement and i dropped my plastic sword right to the bottom of the stairs and i'm reaching down to try to grab it and warren i think was holding my leg so i didn't fall over and just as i did that my dad <laughs> sneaky Sneaky bugger. He, I guess, had the stereo hooked up upstairs, but there were speakers downstairs, so he could play music upstairs and feed it downstairs. Well, out of the speakers comes the laugh from Thriller. It's Vincent Price with his... Ah, yes! <laughs> so, <laughs> so the three of us bolt right out of the house. I'm down halfway down the street. Warren got his pants stuck on the doorknob, and he says, The zombies got me! The zombies got me! But I had already abandoned him. I'd already fled. Oh, Hey, could I ask G-Mac a quick great. question here? Yep. Yeah. Sure and, and, may, and maybe Loren as well. Now, in order to make your fake radio shows or imaginary radio shows uh, credible, did you do kids' riddles on Saturday mornings? Ooh, no or kids' birthday riddles. <laughs> you guys Sorry, know I'm Kelly. all about the news. It was it was hard news all the time. Yeah. Like, what's the crop forecast? What's the rain coming, people? What's the, what's the slowdown in the economy? You okay, we did read the dead. comics, though. Ma 
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868 on the wild ways you used your imagination to have fun when you were a kid. And Loren, a text from Don caught your attention. Yeah, he says on the topic of self-entertaining as a kid, he writes that it should come as no surprise. I used to like riding down the stairs in a laundry basket. Four (laughs) stairs, 90-degree turn, nine more stairs to another 90-degree turn at the bottom. It's a wonder I lived this long. And I couldn't stop laughing when I saw that because I had completely forgotten, Brett, how we used to get the sleeping bag and go to the top of the stairs and then just ride that down right into the wall that was at the bottom of the stairs. We never could manage the turn. And we didn't care. We'd do it over and over and over again in a sleeping bag wouldn't that hurt well you put your feet in the the sleeping bag was a way to sort of like control the control the speed you push your feet to the bottom of the bag (laughs) and then hang on to the top and it gave you more slippery like you were more slippery (laughs) and i stopped my kids from doing that because it seems insane but you know what in these times, I'm bringing that back. Oh bringing it back. <laughs> okay, well, crash let's... mat. Let's g- <laughs> improvise a crash mat at the bottom of the stairs. We used to call that bobsled run in yes. my house. So there Perfect. you go. Keep those texts coming, 204-780-6868. But right now, imagine you've long dreamed of opening a restaurant. You finally do, and within a couple of months... COVID-19. Greg, you spent many years involved in the restaurant industry, including owning one. How much work goes into opening a restaurant? Uh, I Just thinking about it uh, makes me want to cry. The amount of time, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the love, the arguments, everything that goes along with it, the number of people that are involved to make it happen, uh, the money that you have to raise. It's, it's an overwhelming enterprise and uh, I can't help but be thinking about our good friend right now, Brett. Well, it turns out, indeed, in this very building, one of our colleagues recently opened a restaurant, and now Loren faces the uncertainty of this crisis. Yeah, and this is a big one that we want to talk about because it's challenging for him. And you spoke to earlier today, Joe Iello, about what was going on at his space that he just opened and what's coming next for him. Yep, that's right. We heard yesterday from the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association who wants you to order takeout or delivery instead of dining in thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. And Joe, co-host of Power Mornings on Power 97, recently opened Frankie's Italian Kitchen and Bar with his cousin Raf. And I grabbed Joe for a few minutes. Well, I didn't grab him. I kept her distance because he's on the air right now doing his own show. But I wanted to find out how he's doing and what's happening with Frankie's and started by asking him, how recently did they open up shop? Two months ago. So timing is everything. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) wow. It's been an interesting uh, two years. And I'm not a restaurateur. That's my cousin, Raph. I'm just uh, investing and happen to be uh, a local uh, when it comes to uh, the place. But it's... I really feel, I really feel for all the restaurant tours out there because it's a, a hard business, and you put in a lot of hours, and uh, more for the staff. You know, there's a lot of kids out there that are uh, living on their own already. That uh, this is their only uh, income. And uh, it's pretty tough. I couldn't imagine uh, what they're going through right now. Well, I mean, you you know a ton of people in this city, including yeah. a ton of people who own restaurants. Right. I mean, you've taken us to, to lunch at a, a couple of them. Yep. So, I mean, how, how are they doing through this? Um, I, I think there's a lot of people that are just kind of scared about the unknown on how long this will actually uh, go on. Uh, what can they do? Uh, in the meantime, because uh, it's out of our control as far as that goes, the people I've talked to restaurant-wise have uh, essentially said uh, they feel bad about having to lay off their staff in the meantime. And uh, 
and don't know for how long. That unknown seems to be the the real concern business-wise. And yet, on the other side of it, you want to stay as healthy and be as well with your family and, and those concerns as well. I think people are just getting talked out, don't you? You know what I mean? Like, it, it's in your head all day. Like, uh, yeah. and there's nothing really going on. You know, there's a lot of different memes out there about walking and reading and trying to do different things. But it's tough when you don't have that social interaction or, or um, you know, a game to go to or a movie. Yeah, well, and, and even a restaurant to go yeah. sit into. And But you are still offering takeout and uh, maybe delivery options as yeah, well? Yeah, we're doing third-party delivery starting uh, this weekend. And I think most, most restaurants are at the very least doing that. There's some that still have uh, seating going on. And uh, I think most most of the people I know in the restaurant business are uh, offering takeout and uh, and that third party delivery. And I think a lot of it is just for people to find comfort instead of just maybe cooking all the time. They can go out, and it might keep some of these businesses uh, somewhat alive. Is your business in any danger if this is prolonged? I don't know. We've only been open for two months, so I guess it depends on if the government is, uh, you know, what they're going to do action-wise. Some of that's been rolling out over the last little while. And I haven't really thought that far ahead, to be honest. I just kind of try and stay as proactive as possible, and I'm going week by week as far as just life, even in, in our jobs here, you know, how long are we going to be able to uh, stay in studio or be able to broadcast, right? Our company's uh, been very diligent as far as getting a set up if we have to broadcast from home uh, or, or some of the people having to broadcast from home and how long before this thing slows down. What was your reaction to the Prime Minister's uh, stimulus announcement yesterday? Well, I thought it was good as far as... As far as, you know, some people are going to need a lot of protection. I I do like the fact that uh, anybody with a mortgage, and that's most of us, have a chance to maybe protect ourselves a little bit. But I go back to the first thing, and I really feel for the young people that uh, it's, it's tough enough to make money. At, uh, at that age, and uh, in the restaurant business especially, they rely on things like tips, and that's even gone. So it's a minimum wage job, and if you're paying rent, or uh, there's enough stress on you as a young person. How long has it been a dream of yours to be involved in a restaurant? Since I was a kid. My cousin's been in the business since he was 13 years old. He was uh, at McDonald's and then was a dishwasher at the Fort Gary Hotel, and we talked about it when we were teenagers in high school, and he's continued on in that world for the last 30-something years, so it was kind of fun. How's it been received? I mean, I, I follow you on social media, yeah. so I see the various people weighing in, but... Good. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, we had a couple of kinks like any other brand new business, and uh, we're still learning a few things here and there, but uh, as our staff knows, if we make a mistake... Uh, admit to it and uh, try and fix it. That's the best uh, advice we could give them. But uh, right now it's uh, unknown and uncharted waters, but uh, thanks to everybody who supported us in the last couple of months. Do you ever eat anywhere else now? Uh, I still have a few go-to places, yes, because I'm I'm, uh, a creature of habit. Joe Aiello, co-host of Power Mornings on Power 97, recently opened Frankie's Italian Kitchen and Bar with his cousin Raph. It's on Keniston uh, by the Seasons, uh, by the Outlet Mall. And I recently went there for lunch. I sat at the bar. I had the Arancini, which is a stuffed risotto ball. Uh, whenever risotto is on the menu, I have to try it because I just imagine I hear Chef Ramsay in my head. There's always screaming about risotto on Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> but uh, and I also had the Joe Aiello pizza, which was 
Delicious. So I'm going to be keeping my eye on the third-party delivery app so I can order some Frankie's uh, to my home. And at McNabb, I know you like sitting at the bar. The bar at Frankie's was super comfortable Wait, to sit at. How, how did that just get dropped in like this? Because well, you, you once told me you <laughs> like sitting at a bar. <laughs> I think I even drew out the diagram for you where my favorite spots are. I'm just kidding. Yes, so it has a good bar, you were saying. Yeah, it's super comfy. I, I, I thought, do I sit at a table? And then I looked at the bar and thought, no, that looks comfy. I'm going to go sit at the bar. So if you ever just, in, once this passes and you want to go, you're looking for somewhere to eat and you want to sit at the bar and have a tasty lunch and have a nice beverage, then go to Frankie's Italian Kitchen and Bar and say hi to our friend Joe. And he's so modest. He, see, he makes it sound like he's not that heavily involved. He's there every day. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, the guy is a machine. Yeah, that's that's just Joe in a nutshell. That five minutes with with him was tremendous, Brett. Thanks for thanks for wrangling that and and uh, our our love and support. To go out to Joe and his staff and everybody in the restaurant and hospitality industry. So many industries affected by this, of course. Uh, but my heart is obviously very uh, connected to those folks. Tackling McGarry and McNabb, I'm in studio. Greg and Loren are working from home. Jeff Forte is in master control. Jeff Braun's at home as well. We were talking about kids and the way we used our imagination when we were kids to have fun. And Greg, we got a great text here from Denny. Yeah, it goes like this. For the first few years of my life, we were a family of six living in a trailer in the woods of Halls Harbor, Nova Scotia. No running water, no electricity. We got our water from a brook at the bottom of the hill, but there was a long abandoned well on the property. That well became a central prop in the first game I remember playing as a child. The game was called Witch in the Well. There were four kids, so one would be the mother. Two of us would be the children tasked (laughs) with gathering water from the well, and one person would be the witch and would hide behind the well and wait from the front steps the mother would instruct the children to fetch some water each with one hand on the handle of the pail the children would skip to the well once close the witch would jump out and scare them the children would abandon the bucket and run back to the step shouting mommy mommy there's a witch in the well decades later thinking uh thinking about this today thanks for sharing denny yeah, that is Love great. It. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, eventually, we moved to Winnipeg and got Monopoly for Christmas that same year. <laughs> and we got right down to arguing about the rules and flipping the table in, in fits of rage, like any other normal civilized family. <laughs> uh, something about being scared when you're little, like you you were you didn't want it, and then you'd make a game out of it. That is so true. Thanks, Denny. That was awesome. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Mackling and McNabb working from home. I'm in the studio with Jeff Forte and Master Control. And one of the genuine challenges over the next several weeks will be to keep our school-age children engaged in some sort of academics, Loren. Yeah, no joke. I was trying to do math with the kids yesterday, got to page 10 and had to take the book to the corner and kind of go over it myself to see if I even knew how to explain to them what they were supposed to do next. Because I'm going to be honest, math... It's near the top of the list of concerns, and it's, it is, it honestly is one of those skills you lose unless you use them, Greg. I was in the same position last night, Loren. <laughs> uh, Alexander's already had some uh, homework come down from his teacher, and he's like, ah, Dad, I don't know how to do this. And I'm like, 
dude, I don't know how to, I don't know how to help you on this one. <laughs> now, no, not to mention some of us who think we're pretty smart, uh, get down, uh, you know, a few pegs when trying to help our kids out with the math homework. Will Penner is a school teacher, a math teacher to be precise, and the founder of Mathopoly. And he joins us once again. He's a regular contributor to the show. Good morning, Will. Good morning, guys. How are you? We're doing all right. We're hanging in there. How are you? Uh, you know, you're on the verge of spending some time home with your kids. Are we on the right track when we talk about math needing to be used in order for you to, to not lose that skill, that part of your brain? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, kids are exposed to it uh, daily, right? But uh, once we have these, this unique situation where we're going to have our, our kids and my students home for who knows how long at this point, uh, we got to keep the uh, the math sharp for sure. One of the things that I think is challenging, and I even saw a mom tweet about this yesterday, making the joke that, "Hey, teachers, you know we don't know how to do this new math, right? So we're just going to go back to the old school ways." And I'm wondering how key it is that we try to continue on the path that our teachers, with all the great work they've done, they've set our kids on a path of, of trying to learn and 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 do math in a different way, and the buy-in has to continue from us from home, no matter how long this might go on, because we want them to return to school as seamlessly as possible. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, to a point, of course, uh, teachers are looking at math uh, maybe a different way than parents might, because um, just because we're, we're teaching it. And uh, But I think it's as long as you're using, um, you know, even math in a uh, every general, everyday general kind of way and using numbers and using situations where math can be used. I think that's that's the goal. Um, just quitting math altogether or any subject for that matter for this amount of time uh, could be detrimental, right? So we want to just keep uh, some sort of math on the forefront. If it's for a half an hour a day or different situations throughout the day, that's great. Not everyone's good at math. Not everyone likes it. But it's important I think, for us to at least all know it. But why would you, I mean, you can answer this. Why is it so important for kids to learn and stay on top of math uh, to help prepare them for life? Yeah, well, I think that's the, that's the goal, right? Um, some, some students, uh, some parents, even when they see the math homework come home, uh, can't necessarily correlate that to a real-life situation. And um, I think that's our goal as teachers as a whole, is when we, when we show something new in math, a new concept, that we can show the parallel to some sort of a, um, a life situation, if it's a store, if it's building things, anything like that. And, and then students grasp it uh, a lot. I won't say easier, but uh, they understand what the importance of it for sure. I think that's the... A- the general pushback I get in this house has to do with, well, how's this going to help me in my everyday life? And how am I, how does this apply to anything? And, and kids want to know how is this going to benefit them learning this and being fluent in it? Just tell us about what you've done. We've discussed Mathopoly with you in the past. Just give us a little bit of a recap, if you would, Will, and what you're prepared to do to help out right now. Well, yeah, I, I, I see that the, the issues that we have as teachers and I think even as parents um, is that not everybody has technology at home and sending electronic uh, work or websites that students can work on can be pretty trying. Um, so I, I thought, well, I mean, I have games that, I, that I've made and that I've uh, sold over the last 10 years and 
I figured if anybody out there needed uh, something to help uh, their situation out, I'd be more than willing to, to donate those to those families or to even to schools at no cost uh, here in the city and be able to drop them off for them just because of that technology gap that some uh, people have, but also the engagement. I mean, if you're able to sit down with your with your children or your or your your cousins or whoever it might be in that situation and just be engaged and have a board game night doesn't have to be during the day and just you're learning math of course at every turn um, but it's in a competitive but fun way I think that's so important. It's a good message. I don't know if that's a number, your number one tip. I'd like to ask you that, you know, in terms of what's the one key thing we need to do as parents at home when it comes to this and is making fun part of that? Is it baking with the kids and doubling the recipe so that they can do fractions or, you know, other things like that that might make math seem more real? That's exactly what you need to do. That's that's perfect. Um, You know, my, my daughter comes home with work sometimes too, and I look at it and I'm like, I, I, I have to take a second to go, how can I, how can I correlate this to a real-life situation? Like, when is she going to use this, right? And so it, it does take some creativity, for sure, from parents. Um, um, and they're at an, you know, an unfair advantage. They don't see this, this, this stuff every day. But baking, yeah, cooking, building things, you know, using measuring tapes, like everything that you can do, it doesn't have to come from a worksheet. It can, could just come from the top of your head. But as long as you're using some sort of uh, mathematical concepts in there, um, I think I think the kids are going to grasp it and they're going to and they're going to, you know, want to learn more or even build more or bake more or whatever it might be for sure. Where can we get our hands on the game or, or more information even online? Uh, you can just go to mathopoly.ca uh, or email me at info at mathopoly.ca. All right, Will Penner, school teacher, math teacher, and the founder of Mathopoly, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Will, thank you for the time. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. Mackling, McNabb and Jeff Braun are all working from home this morning. I'm in studio. Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Forte is in Master Control. Question of the day at cjob.com. Yesterday afternoon's question, how has your job been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic? 60% say I'm going in as usual. 28% say I've been laid off. And 12% say I'm working for home from home. So you can cast your vote Whoa. at cjob.com. 12% working from home. That's quite a bit. That's a lot working from home, and that's a lot that said they've been laid off. And I get this isn't a scientific poll, but, man, we're hearing regularly, right, Brett, from people writing in about downturns in the economy and and different ways that's impacting them, like everything from construction to everything else. So that's I get that that's, again, not a snapshot of all Manitobans, but that's a high percentage. And, indeed, it was just one week ago we learned Manitoba had its first case of COVID-19. Right now we said it's 17 presumptive positive or positive cases. In that short period of time, and we're talking about it all morning, we've added words and phrases to our vocabulary that uh, I don't even know if I used social distancing ever before as something I said in life. Definitely not self-isolation. And of course, every day the situation is changing. And every day, Dr. Brent Rusin, our chief public health officer for Manitoba, is working to get everyone to buy in on this. If you haven't changed aspects of the way you live your day-to-day life, You're not thinking about your role you can play to protect yourself, the people around you, and our 
province at large. It's in that vein that our next guest and his organization made the decision to temporarily close. Darren Dunn is the CEO of Assiniboia Downs, joins us now. Double D, good morning. Plus, good morning. Good to be with you. Well, it's good to be with you as well. I just know how heavy your heart's got to be right now with everything that's going on out at your facility. Uh, maybe let's just press pause on the on the technical and the logistical issues right now. Just talk about uh, Cinnaboy Downs and what goes on there behind the scenes. Because for those that have been there and see what goes on, what I would consider the front of the house, the back of the house would be your trainers and your jockeys and the people that care for your for your horses that's a very close-knit family out there yeah absolutely well said uh well we look at ourselves as the first sports training camp if you will in, in manitoba each year we uh welcome horses um from all over generally speaking canada initially march the first so we've had training activity underway for the better part of three weeks in fact they have about 140 horses on the backstretch right now uh, continuing to exercise every day, and the folks who are connected to them, uh, quite obviously the horses need care, and um, not unlike, let's say, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, though they're not playing right now, you can bet that Mark Shifley and, and Blake Wheeler are uh, are hitting their own uh, you know, in-home gyms in all likelihood. Uh, these horses need to exercise their athletes, and uh, they need care. Uh, a lot of uncertainty to state the probably, probably the most cliche, obvious word uh, that's going uh, through everybody's minds out there, um, a lot of difficulty in, in trying to forecast what we may or may not be able to do. We're going to be speaking to the Horseman board uh, boards uh, this morning uh, to try and answer some questions the best we can. Um, but a lot of things up in the air relative to our live race meet, certainly, which is a little ways down the road, but really not that far away, seven weeks. And uh, at this point, that doesn't sound like a lot of time to me. The border restrictions announced yesterday uh, for non-essential travel, but commercial goods still flow. So we're seeking some clarity on that. Uh, you know, from it's a very big macro comment from my standpoint. Uh, you know, we're, we're taking it uh, responsibly to mean you know commercial goods such as food, medical supplies. We, we certainly don't expect it uh, represents horses coming up for gaming and entertainment purposes. Therefore, our American friends down there that come up and spend millions of dollars in Manitoba each year uh, are on a hold situation, let alone the fact that uh, when they cross the border, they'd have to self-quarantine for 14 days. So who looks after their horses? How does that work? And uh, many, many logistical issues to deal with. Um, just our jockey colony, um, a large base of them come out of the Caribbean, uh, Jamaica, Barbados, Venezuela. And, uh, you know, now they're technically foreign workers coming in. Uh, there's a restriction on uh, that situation. Uh, so putting together a jockey colony, uh, having enough horses to run is, is the challenge that we're talking about right now. And I want to be clear in, in a responsible way, running a race meet is in no way, shape, or form capitalizing on anything when there's a lack of sports and gaming entertainment out there. We would lose money to run what would be almost a B race meet if we uh, were even able to do that. We need to try and get some money into the hands of the horsemen who are connected to this industry. They haven't had any revenue, locally speaking, since the first week of September, so seven months of expenses. Uh, piled into potentially no revenue on the table uh, could be catastrophic. So many things to consider, um, and uh, we're trying to work on those daily. The two-week temporary close really, uh, we feel, just offers us some level of, the smallest level of certainty, if you will, in these uncertain times, and hopefully um, some better understanding of things uh, may crystallize as, 
things continue to change every day and allow us a little better chance to forecast. And Darren, with the racing season having not started yet, uh, what kind of things are available at Assiniboia Downs to the public uh, prior to the closure? Well, prior to the closure, we have 140 VLTs, part of the Manitoba VLT network. Uh, We did receive notice from the province yesterday that every second machine uh, was to be turned off. Now, that would have left us with 70 machines operating uh, for gaming and entertainment. Uh, Our food and beverage services uh, were still uh, up and going, simulcasting, basically racing being brought in from around the world via satellite uh, on site. Uh, We have sort of a Las Vegas-style setup Uh, We were accepting customers for that. So I could still be doing that today, in all honesty, but we absolutely strongly believe that, you know, we need to do our part in this situation to curb and slow, uh, try and flatten the curve in our our small way. And uh, and we have a corporate responsibility, so we wanted to not just meet that, but exceed that. And we made the decision to close. We're nonprofit, so I want to be clear, we have a limit on what we're going to be able to financially achieve. Um, So we're, we're certainly doing modeling uh, of, of a number of different scenarios, but we're going to have limits that that larger corporations or, or government entities are not going to have. Uh, but for the meantime, we did uh, allow our employees two weeks of certainty where they will be paid uh, while we figure things out. Uh, but again, we could be open today. We chose not to. Uh, we want to go over and above and be as responsible as we possibly can. And so close to the public for a minimum of two weeks, and we'll revisit a little closer to that uh, established deadline. Just quickly here, Darren, for the two weeks of certainty you're giving your staff, how many staff members does that allow at least that two-week reprieve? We have about 100 uh, employed right now, and we were about uh, six weeks away from gearing up to add about another 150. Uh, We peak around 250 when the live race meet is on. Uh, In the backstretch, I I couldn't quantify how many are back there relative to trainers, exercise riders, and grooms at this point, Um, but uh, they're locally based uh, Canadian entities, if you will, and uh, that continues to go each day. Darren Dunn, CEO of Assiniboia Downs, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Darren, thank you for the time. We appreciate it as always, sir. Sure, if you don't mind. You know, I I just want to quickly close and say that I wish all Manitobans well. We are strong, but far none stronger together. We'll find a path through this, but but let's make sure along the way uh, uh, during these uncertain times we're we're kind to each other, and and I wish everyone the absolute best. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Mackling and McNabb working from home along with Jeff Bruns working from home. But Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Fortier is here, and I am here in studio. And the question of the day at cjob.com brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. We have updated the question of the day for the morning. The question is, is buying alcohol a priority for you during the COVID-19 pandemic? Your options are, yes, don't take away my liquor. Yes, but consider other options like pickup or delivery. No, I'll maybe stock up once. Or no, not essential. So far, the early results, 50% say yes, don't take away my liquor. 50% say no, not essential. You can cast your vote at cjob.com. We've also put up variations of that poll on Twitter, at 680CJOB, on Instagram at 680CJOB, and I'll get another variation of it up on our Facebook page. And there are, are, a lot of people have been Mm -hmm. asking, are they closing the liquor marts? Are they closing the liquor marts? No, but they are making a couple of changes, Loren. Yeah, you mentioned delivery being an option that that listeners might want to weigh in on. So 
the liquor and lottery said they've improved their home delivery for those who are unable or might just prefer not to shop in store at this time. And so you can check that out. They're also limiting the number of customers entering stores at any time. You might be asked to wait outside the store for a brief period of time. And obviously they're asking everybody to maintain good social distance from one another, uh, leave room between you and other customers while waiting and shopping in line, and that they're going to increase sanitizer availability for both staff and people who might be in the store. They also announced this last week. They don't. They aren't doing product sampling anymore, which just makes good sense. And also, same goes for the bottle and cork cork operations, just just to prevent cross contamination. And again, that social distancing is a good reminder because we've had people talk about how they go to stores and. You, you can maintain proper distance while you're shopping, but then you might end up in that line and find yourself wondering, oh, is, is this the best place for me to be? And so Costco announced changes too yesterday to maybe the way it will do some of its business and in both the, the lineups and uh, also limiting certain purchases to, say, two toilet paper rolls per person, not 40. All right. So as that's we continue to... Idea. What's that, Mackling? I just said that's a good idea. Maybe a, a week too late, but you know what? You can't look back, right? This is uh, we could spend a lot of time looking back right now. Uh, it's it's all about what's being done now. So uh, that that's a good move there. All right, now uh, we've been getting all kinds of questions at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. We will try to answer some of them now. Your questions, Loren, as it pertains to COVID nineteen. Yeah, and Global News has been doing a great series with our next guest, Jeff Sample, on answering people's questions about COVID-19, and he joins us now. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, good morning, Lauren. You've been inundated, I know, with just a number of requests from people, because as we go forward, everything changes day to day, hour by hour. What's one of the number one asks you've had from listeners and viewers in terms of answering questions about COVID-19? Oh, man, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, as you say, we have been receiving thousands of these questions, and many of them are, you know, really terrific questions, ones we hadn't thought about. Um, you know, a big one that we've been getting lately is how long does this virus survive on surfaces, right? Because people have heard that it's not an airborne disease, that it's spread through droplets. So if I'm infected and, you know, we're talking really close to each other, that you might inhale some of the droplets that I, you know, was spitting a little bit when I talk, for example, or if I cough and sneeze on a surface, you touch that surface later. But how much later? How long can that virus and those contaminated droplets survive? The answer, according to some research actually just out this week in a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine, is a little bit unsettling. Uh, It depends on the surface, of course, and temperature. But in this study, they found that those contaminated droplets that the virus can survive for up to four hours on copper, up to 24 hours on cardboard, And here's a big one, up to two to three days on stainless steel or plastic. And of course, many of us are surrounded by plastic surfaces. So it's conceivable that someone could cough, someone who has COVID-19 could cough on a plastic surface and two or three days later, someone could touch that surface, rub their eyes and become infected. So it really underscores the importance of wiping down shared surfaces. And, you know, before you touch your face, touch your eyes, touch your mouth, wash your hands with soap and water. Jeff, we're going to have a conversation in about a half an hour from now with a doctor, a researcher, about what it takes to get medicine and vaccines to market, the, the amount of time. And Monday we saw in Washington State the very first people injected with uh, what's hoped to be a vaccine. But the amount of time that this is going to take and, and what's all involved has got to be something that people are asking you about as well. 
Yeah, it is. And obviously, I'll defer to the doctor on that one. But uh, from what we've heard from those officials conducting that first study with the vaccine in the United States, they are fast tracking the process. But even then, it will be likely a few months before they can say whether this vaccine is potentially working. And even then, it's at least a year, perhaps 18 months before we're at a point where people can start lining up to be vaccinated. So, you know, it really, again, underscores the importance of flattening the curve now, of slowing down the spread of the disease and not, you know, putting all your hopes on the vaccine arriving anytime soon. Any idea how COVID-19 will respond to warmer weather? Yeah, that's a question we've got a lot. Uh, And of course, you know, people think, well, the flu, right? The seasonal influenza, which surges during the wintertime and dies off the rest of the year in the northern hemisphere. You know, it's interesting. Scientists, epidemiologists to this day don't know exactly why that is. uh, But there is a lot of hope that COVID-19 might follow a similar pattern. And today is the first day of spring, I believe. So a lot of people looking at the calendar and thinking, hey, if we get to the summer, maybe this thing will die off. Unfortunately, from what we've seen from countries that are currently or have just recently been enjoying their summers, so Australia, Brazil, for example, those countries have seen dozens of cases. Singapore, which is hot and humid all year round, it's seen more than 100 cases uh, when I checked a few days ago. So the bad news is that these countries that are currently experiencing hotter temperatures, hotter, warmer climates are still getting the disease. But there is some indication from what I've heard from experts that the spread Uh, of the disease might actually be tempered a bit in these hotter climates. So there's some hope that, you know, it might help to curtail the outbreak a little bit, but it's not going to wipe it out completely from what we've seen so far. One of the challenges, Jeff, is obviously different provinces have introduced different measures. The same goes in the United States. You know, what one might be doing is not necessarily what's happening in in another jurisdiction. So that adds, I think, a little bit to some of the confusion and uncertainty, particularly when it comes to our kids and schools and daycares and all the rest. And I've noticed far fewer kids playing outside over the last few days in our neighborhood. And so I'm curious, you talked about the idea of how it lives on services and, and not being airborne. Is there any advice just to for families who are looking to keep a little bit of normalcy about maybe keeping those groups outside just to a smaller number or or what kind of answers do you have on that yeah and it's an, it's it's a good point because to be honest we've asked that question to a number of different experts and received slightly different answers so it, you know as you say it's it's a similar story when you look at what the provinces are recommending of course health is a provincial jurisdiction so we are hearing slightly different things from different officials but i think you know generally we've you know you do hear that it's important people should not leave their house and in case unless it's an emergency don't leave your house stay home you know self-isolate etc dr michael gardham though who's one of the top officials when it comes to epidemiology in canada has has, has been a little more nuanced and said look you can go for a walk outside if you need to right and you can play outside the it's just the important to remember to practice sort of social distancing so keep your distance from people you know a meter or two at, at least um, and don't go play it outside in a, in a on a play structure that's packed full of kids that are sneezing and coughing all over the place right so I think everybody kind of has to d- decide for themselves really how to move forward with just this but it's important not to sort of follow maybe a, a, a very regimented structured set of guidelines but rather just to sort of keep in mind how this thing spreads and how best to avoid it so if you live in a condo tower in downtown Toronto and you want to go for a walk on Young Street maybe not a great idea if you live out in the country and you want to go for a walk of course that's fine it depends on who you are where you live but the advice is the same just avoid super close contact with people as, as much as you can, and really best to avoid any non-essential appointments and that sort of thing.
Jeff, knowledge is power. How are people reaching out to you? What's the best way to connect to get their questions answered from you and the, the experts that you have access to? Yeah, please keep the questions coming. Uh, the email address is yourquestions at globalnews.ca. We are taking those questions every day, and then we are putting them to some of the top health medical experts and officials in this country. And then every day we're putting new questions, new answers up online and on TV. But online, you can find them on uh, www.globalnews.ca slash coronavirus. And there's a Q&A link there, and that's where you might find your question and the answer to it. And Jeff, one more question before we go, because we just got two texts at the same time at 204-780-6868, both asking the same question. Uh, does anybody know if you can catch COVID-19 more than once? Like, let's say you get it, you recover, can you get it again? Yeah, it's a great question and one I've, I've gotten a lot as well. Um, and the answer to that is that it, it appears the consensus from health officials is that they don't think people can get this virus in its current form more than once. That's the good news. However, the one asterisk to that is that there have been a handful of cases worldwide where people have appeared to get this thing twice. We've had cases where people test positive, then test negative, and then test positive again. The thinking is, in those cases, is it might have been a false a false negative. So they were actually sick the whole time. The test just messed up the, the negative finding. So the, the thinking is, at this point, that you can't get this thing twice. That's the good news. But, you know, they, again, it comes with the big caveat that we don't know for certain. There's still so much we don't know. It's still so early in this outbreak, as one expert put it to me the other day. We are effectively at the end of the beginning. Global's Jeff Semple joining us live on 680 CJOB. Jeff, thank you so much for this. Thanks, guys. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. Mackling and McNabb are broadcasting from home, as is Jeff Braun. I'm in studio. Kelly Moore has been in studio. Jeff Forte is in master control. And right now we want to talk about building forts. Sock tag. Riding a laundry basket down the stairs. Okay, that last one might not come highly recommended, but maybe a sleeping bag, Loren McNabb? <laughs> that comes highly recommended. We used to do that down the stairs all the time. What's that? It's, Greg's out of birth? Sorry, McNabb. Forte was just in my ear saying that uh, Greg is experiencing problems. And this is part of what this is part of the technology is almost flawless. But it's not quite Almost. flawless. <laughs> no, I've been kicked out of it, Burley one more time. It doesn't like my credentials. So oh, I'm uh, trying to well, get listen. back in. But can I second your notion on the sleeping bag down the stairs, though, McNabb? Because that is brilliant. <laughs> That's exactly what I used to do and what my brothers used to do. And uh, that was the best way to get speed so that if you had that little landing at the bottom of the stairs before the two extra stairs, you would actually get air into the living room. It's the only way to go. Oh, that's amazing. Honestly, this is the reason why we're talking about all this is we asked our listeners to share with us the ways they might get creative over the next few weeks at home either, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, because parents are going to have to do their part. Uh, on the news with Richard and Julie last night, they shared with you the work one mom and teacher is doing, Brett. C'est de l'air. Alors, l'air est composé majoritairement d'azote, qui est le N sur le tableau périodique. So that was Madame Waters. She works at a Winnipeg school and to help her French immersion students, she's posting science experiments on YouTube. Our next guest is taking a different tone. 
pun intended. Chris Nealon is the owner of Fader's Music in Brandon, and the shop is still open for business. But with safety in mind, music lessons, of course, have been canceled for the foreseeable future. So he's come up with a unique idea to bring his instructors to students virtually. Good morning, Chris. Hello there. So full disclosure here, guys, I grew up with Chris, went to high school with him in Minnedosa, and so I can always remember how great of a guitar player he was. But for the folks who don't know you, Chris, what did music mean to you growing up? What did the guitar mean to you? Well, I got into music at a at a really early age. I just, uh, you know, I heard, uh, you know, Jump from Vanny. And I'm kind of, a, I kind of like rock music. So, you know, hearing that stuff as a young kid, it just like, I don't know, something about it just really connected with me. And I, I knew at a pretty early age that I wanted to be a guitar player. And, and uh, yeah, I eventually was able to do that. So, Chris, I think your whole family's pretty uh, musically inclined. I know your sister a little bit, and uh, she's a wonderful young woman. Just talk about uh, yep. how you're going to uh, get this, get these lessons out to the masses. Well, we've uh, we've talked it over uh, a few different options to see how we could do this, and we've decided at least uh, for the first couple to go uh, use Facebook Live to get our. Uh, to do it. It's just very easy to access and, and it's not limited to a certain number of people or anything like that. So we're going to use uh, good old Facebook to to get this done. What kind of lessons will you be offering? Well, we're going to start with um, beginner lessons, like really rudimentary, like step one type stuff. We we probably will expand that, but we thought that would be a good place to a good place to start. So, Chris, one of the things, I, as soon as I saw this, my kids' guitar lessons have been cancelled uh, where we live. And I, that makes sense. We understand that. But it's not just about continuing the lessons. Quite frankly, we're talking about ways to fill time, kids and adults. And so I'm curious what parents have been saying to you about the loss of lessons and the feedback you've been getting about offering this to them over the next few weeks. Yeah, well, when we canceled the lessons, uh, when the schools decided that they were going to you know, have an extended spring break for three weeks, we, we followed the school division calendar anyway. So uh, we decided that, you know, that makes sense to do that. Uh, and as things developed last weekend, things were moving really quickly. As we all know, we decided to, to basically pull the plug on this week's lessons, the private lessons we offer at the store um, as well. And we, you know, that's four weeks without lessons. And all of the parents that we contacted, they all completely understood uh, you know, there was no no issues there. Everybody got it right. So we just thought, how can we how can we have some continuity for our our existing students, and then maybe offer something that uh, you know people that haven't had the time or the opportunity to to try guitar lessons, and thought that uh, this might this might work. So Chris. What about old guys like me who've always imagined? <laughs> I was thinking, I'm, yeah. I'm really good at the air guitar, but uh, <laughs> when it comes to the real guitar, uh, I always was envious of Casanovas such as yourself who could who could uh, play a tune and, and serenade the ladies. So is it too late for old guys like me? Oh, goodness, no, no. We have, uh, we've, I've had quite a few messages on Facebook and email and, and all the other various uh, means of, of adults wanting. We have a lot of private adult lessons as well, uh, students that are taking, you know, once they retire or whatever, want to take up the guitar. So, so yeah, no, it's not too late. I mean, we're probably, we're, we've been working out ways of maybe offering an online air guitar uh, course as well, but uh, that's, not quite, that's not quite as easy. We're, we're, we're still working on, on the details of that. What is the benefit of learning to play music, whether you're a kid or you're an adult? Oh, well, I mean, there's been countless studies that prove, you know, that it helps with, with school, with kids and everything like that. It's To me, it's just, 
it's I mean, there's a lot of things you can do these days to spend your time. I mean, you can you can play video games or watch Netflix or any of that kind of stuff. But when you when you learn a musical instrument, it's just that it pays, especially if you start young, it just pays off such dividends for your whole life. I mean, you can you can play guitar or piano or, or drums or anything like that. You can start at such a young age and you can you can just do it for your entire life. And it just brings it just brings a lot of joy, I think, to, to people's lives. One of the advantages, too, Brett, uh, with as a parent, and Chris, maybe you can verify this, is my kids' instructor sends the kids home with music that I appreciate. They've been learning Metallica and all sorts of different things. So you get to, like, you get to force your musical influences them on them a little bit. No? Just a little bit? Oh, that's very important to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, we really believe that having, you know, parents involved, uh, you know, not too involved, but but not overly involved, but definitely involved and encourage encouraging you know young students and stuff like that. That makes a huge difference to uh, the progress of of a student. I've noticed that uh, my youngsters, who one plays guitar, one plays piano, they're a little shy to perform. Have you got any tips on how to uh, get them playing the music, maybe a little bit more, shall we say, outside of the practice studio and 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 for other people because that's i think is a whole other level of, of music uh, appreciation and and delivery yeah that's that's a good one i'm kind of shy too so i'm not sure if i'm the guy to answer that question it's you know we find that some some people just are naturally they just want to get out there you know we'll have have students coming into the store and they're just so outgoing you can hardly contain them and then other ones that are really you know i'll talk to my teachers and i'll just say this kid is so talented um, but nobody knows it because they just don't only play for their teacher. And, you know, that's, that's a good question. I wish I had an easy answer for that one. Is there such a thing as a person who just is not musically inclined, no matter how hard they try, they just can't learn? Uh, no, you know, I don't think so. I think that anybody can learn if you put the time in and the effort. I mean, there's definitely going to be levels of, of, of natural talent. We've seen some, uh, you know, I personally, I had to work really hard to, to be able to play anything that I can play. And I know that, you know, you see, you see some kids that there's, there's a couple that they'll just come in the store and they're just, they're so good. And you're like, how can you be so good so fast? And you see it on YouTube. It doesn't, you don't have to look too far too deep on YouTube to see these, these people, these kids that are just way, way better than I've ever been. And you think, how is that possible? You know, they're just putting the hours in or are they naturally gifted or it's probably a combination of both. Before we let you go, Chris, these uh, online virtual lessons through Facebook, when are you planning to do the first one? How is it going to work? Uh, the first one, we're, we're shooting for um, uh, this coming Monday at 5.30 on Facebook Live. So um, if you find Fader's music on Facebook, you will you'll should be able to find the, the feed. And we're going to take some feedback based on how that one goes from what sort of content. Hopefully we get some comments and everything like that to uh to keep uh editing and bringing up the the other ones to just to see what people want and what we can give them and everything like that so monday at five thirty is going to be when we start off all right chris nyland owner of faders music and brandon joining us live on 680 cjob chris thank you very much for this right on thanks for having me hey thanks for listening to the start podcast we are available on apple podcast google podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts subscribe now and never miss an episode and if you like what you hear rate the show tell us what you think 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.